Well, hello once again, and thank you so much for tuning in now, uh, being part of uh, Chase Oaks Online. It is kind of cool to think about all the different worship rooms right now uh, at Chase Oaks, where we have you know one church with thousands of rooms, and, and really glad that you're part of it. As today, we conclude the series we've been in called How to Hit a Curveball, and I hope by now, with all this coaching, that all of us are getting a little bit better at how to hit curveballs that come at us in life, these circumstances that come our way that we don't see coming, that kind of turn things upside down. Uh, and, and certainly we're getting a lot of practice in this pandemic as it has all these implications that are curveballs, curveballs, curveballs. And, and curveballs are difficult, but today we're going to see something really important as we end the series Because today we're talking about adaptation, we're talking about innovation, how if you and I are going to hit a curveball out of the park, we have to adjust our swing, right? We have to adjust to it. And if we do, um, then crisis becomes, as difficult as it is, crisis actually can become a friend. Because crisis is one of those things that God can use to knock us out of our comfort zone, because he's all about transformation, He's all about helping us become the people he wants us to become, that we want to become, to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. But we will naturally kind of, if we're comfortable, we'll we'll stay when he calls us to follow him, when he calls us to go. And one of the things that he uses to knock us out of our comfort zone is crisis. Now, just think about that in little ways, like going to church. And I'm talking about going to a church service. I don't know if you remember this, uh, but a long time ago, this is what we used to do. Like we didn't, we didn't sit in our living room in our pajamas and watch TV. Uh, We used to, this is going to sound crazy, but here's what we used to do. We used to actually get in our cars and drive to a campus, like a physical campus, and we'd park in the parking lot. We'd get out. There was a parking team. There were people greeting at the door. We'd check our kids in at Kid Zone. We'd get a donut or a donut hole, depending on what campus you're in, maybe some coffee, and then come into the worship room. And sit down and then stand up to worship and hear the talk and all that kind of stuff. We actually used to do that. And we'll, we'll do it again. And it'll be awesome when we're able to do that again. I'm really looking forward to that. And if you're wondering when, you can go on the website. There's an announcement about that. But when we do, do you know where most of us are going to sit? Exactly where we were sitting before. If we used to come to physical campuses, we'll go right back to where we were before Because that's our comfort zone. It'll just naturally, that's what we'll do. I remember when our church, one of our big growth spurts, uh, it was really disruptive to people because there were these crises that would happen. And that is people would be sitting in their seats. And people, we had a couple of instances where longtime Chase Oakers would like ask people, hey, get out. Like you're in my seat. And we had to have some conversations to say, hey, this is not our party. This is, you know, but but it was a crisis, right? You're in my seat. What am I going to do? You know, you kind of start, you know, getting the shakes a little bit. Um, or another example is just like when I'm driving around um, and needing a bike to eat, you could probably guess where I'm almost always going to go, like where my car is going to go. And that is Chick-fil-A. And it's just natural to go to Chick-fil-A for me. Like, why would you go anywhere else? Because it's comfortable for me. I know exactly what I'm going to get. It's always going to be good. It's always going to be fast. Um, and why would I go anywhere else? And and I won't unless there's a crisis like Sundays. (laughs) Sundays are a crisis for a Chick-fil-A addict because, you know, that's why sometimes on Sunday morning, if if I feel like a little as a Chick-fil-A addict, if I feel a little bit like, man, he's a little bit amped up. It's just 
you know, I haven't gotten my fix yet, you know, and and because Sundays force me if I'm out to go, I have to go somewhere else. I have to do something new. Now, take that into bigger things than just where we sit or where we go get fast food, just in life in general. Um, God has you know, he wants to transform our lives. He, he wants new things for us. But naturally, we'll just kind of sink into what's comfortable. And that's why crises like the one that we're in, as difficult as they are, and they are difficult on the other side of crisis actually is opportunity if we lean into it, if we're open to the new thing God wants to do, because God is not it's a waste of a crisis to just wait until we can go back to normal. God is wanting to develop a new normal, a whole new thing that we can lean into, that we can embrace, that we can step into a new future, a new reality in different areas of life. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how crisis breeds innovation because crisis forces us out of our comfort zone. And there's a lot at stake in what we're talking about today. Um, different areas of life. Just think about it like your relationships. You know, before the pandemic and before all that, you know, I don't know what your relationships were like or friendships, but you and I have an opportunity now in this crisis to come out of this with a whole different level of connection. Our marriages, same way. Our career, our, our places of business and how we operate as business, how we operate as a church, our own individual lives and our character and our sense of impact. All that has the potential to be way better because of a crisis if we're willing to lean into it, because that's what God does. It's how he uses crisis in the process of transformation. It's not automatic, though. We can resist it or we can lean into it. So we're going to talk about how to lean into it. And we're going to do that by looking at a story in the New Testament, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, which is the story of the birth of the church and the early growth of the church. And a big part of that story is how God has to use a crisis to knock them out of the comfort zone so they can actually live into the mission that they were resisting. And it's an incredible story. And, I, and, and so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll try to tell it. It's kind of a long story, so lean into it. But it's a story. We all like stories. And it starts with Jesus um, after he has died on the cross, has risen from the dead. He spends 40 days with the, his followers, the disciples, as well as the others. There are about 120 Jesus followers after uh, the, after the resurrection, before Jesus ascends to heaven 40 days later. And in that time, he's giving the mission to them, the mission of God that he came to bring. And the message about how people can know God now, how they can connect to God because of what Jesus did. He's giving it to them. And here's uh, the last words that Jesus says to them before he ascends to heaven. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that's the mission. Their job was to start right where they were in Jerusalem. And then here's a map to kind of help us understand the geography. So here's Jerusalem. This area right here is Judea. This is Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. So the idea was, hey, you can't stay. Your job is to go. Your job is to start in Jerusalem and then move on from there to reach the world. And Matthew, he emphasizes the word go even more when he talks about the mission there. Matthew 28, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. 
The operative word there is go. If you're going to reach the nations, you can't stay. You've got to go. Now, it was way more comfortable for them as Jewish Christians to stay in Jewish land, to stay right there in Jerusalem. And so we see this struggle of where they're kind of staying when they should be going to reach the world, to reach the nations. Um, it's, there's a big difference between stay and go. Um, you know, I have a dog uh, named Chewy. I've talked about him, Chewy or Chewbacca. Uh, there's Chewy right there. Um, he's an awesome little guy. And he's got a pretty limited vocabulary. I mean, for a dog, it's pretty good. But, you know, compared to humans, pretty limited vocabulary. But he does know uh, about 50 words, I guess, something like that. And two of the words he knows really well are stay and go. And he's pretty good about staying unless there's a bunny running or something like that. You're not going to stay uh, or you make him stay too long and he gets, you know, ADD or something. But but he knows stay. And he knows go. And most of the time, the word go for him is a happy word. Like he gets all excited. He's, you know, and his tail wags and he's, you know, doing that. And, and it's all, you know, he's like, because go means go to the park or go on a walk or go to his dog groomer because he loves them or go on a bike ride. We have a little backpack for him. We go on bike rides. And, you know, so go car rides he loves. So go is typically very happy. He goes to the, the to the door and it's like, oh, this is awesome. But he also knows a, knows a couple other words like bath and vet. And if you say, do you want to go get a bath or do you want to go to the vet? He's not into that. He doesn't go, you know, and all excited. He wants to stay because it's more comfortable to stay than to go. And as human beings, we're the same. If it's more comfortable to stay, we'll stay. That'll be our tendency. We'll just kind of get comfortable in our comfort zone and, and stay. When and the problem with that is that that transformation demands actually that we go, that we leave the comfortable place, experience of discomfort to go. If we're going to live, leave the mission, that's what we've got to do. And you see that in the early church because their mission was to go start in Jerusalem and go. But they don't do that. They have a great start in Jerusalem. So Jesus ascends to heaven. The Holy Spirit, God comes and empowers them. They uh, right away the first day the, the church is born and uh, in 3000 people come to know Christ that day, it's an, it went first day into the life of this thing called church. It's a mega church and it continues to grow. And it's really cool what's happening in Jerusalem and they're doing church in Jerusalem and all. But they're staying in Jerusalem. All the disciples, everybody's staying there. And, and why are they staying? Well, it's more comfortable to stay, but it's even deeper than that because they had some hang ups. Uh, they were so tied into the past and so tied into certain ways of thinking that they were not moving into the new thing God was doing. For one thing, they were very Jewish centric in their thinking because they thought, hey, in the Old Testament era leading up to Jesus, the Messiah, it was called the chosen one, you know, the one that would come and save the world, Jesus, that um, that the way they thought about the Savior coming is that he would come to save them, the people of God, the Jewish people, Israel, from the nations that were dominating them, the Roman Empire. So he was their savior from the nations. But what God was doing was not that. What God was doing is coming from his people who were supposed to be a light to the nations to be a savior, not just of them, but of everybody. And their their job, therefore, was to reach not just Jewish people, but to reach the nations that they called Gentiles. That was the Bible word for it. But they weren't thinking like that. Even when they were thinking of the world, they're thinking reaching Jewish people around the world, not the nations, because they resented the nations. Not only that, they were also 
uh, very geographic centric in Jerusalem because the temple was there. And the way that it worked in the Old Testament era is if you want to connect to God, you came to the temple. There was a place called the court of the Gentiles for the Gentiles, for the nations. If they wanted to connect with God, all we got to do to reach the nations is right here. Right. And they kept going to the temple and doing all this stuff. And they weren't getting that God was doing something new. It wasn't about the temple anymore. Now the temple is in our hearts. The temple collectively is, is, is how God indwells his church. And, and the job, therefore, was not to say world come to us. It's we're coming to you with the message and love of Jesus. But but they weren't getting that. And so God has to do something to knock them out of their comfort zone, knock them out of their complacency. And guess what he uses? He uses a curveball. He uses a crisis. And in this case, it's persecution that forces him out of Jerusalem. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. This was a big curveball. I mean, this is really tough, I know, for a lot of people and scary and all that. But imagine what would happen if all of a sudden there's persecution against Christians here in our area so badly. I mean, you're going to be thrown in prison. You might be killed that literally people have to run for their lives. And that's what happened. I mean, they they were refugees. They left their homes. They left their businesses. They left their jobs. They left their possessions, whatever they could take with them, just like the millions of refugees in the world right now. Um, they were refugees and they just had to go. I mean, how disruptive is that? But there was an opportunity side, a good side to the disruption. And here's the next sentence. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. So they're forced to go to Judea. They're forced to go to Samaria, those other places that they weren't going. And Acts 8 tells a story of how Samaritans are reached because of the crisis. They would have never done it without it. But it gets better than that because the persecution spreads them even further out. Acts eleven nineteen. Meanwhile, the believers who've been scattered during the persecution traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch of Syria. Those are other countries that they would not have gone to. But now they're going. But notice how they're still stuck in the past. They preach the word of God, but only to Jews. Why? Because they think they still have this bad thinking that Jesus is a savior to the Jews, not savior to the world. They're think they're very Jewish centric. God has going to have to work with that. He will. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles, to the nations. Antioch was a Gentile city. There was just a little population of Jews. This is a big Gentile city. And they start preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. And what happens? The power of the Lord was with them and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. And now you have this big Gentile church, the first Gentile church ever. The church was all Jewish Christians up until then. Now you've got these Gentile Christians, non-Jewish Christians, the nations, this whole new church springs up a big church in Antioch. And you might think that the disciples, you know, the 11, Judas had, you know, was out. So you have the 11 disciples and the other leaders in the Jerusalem church would be like, man, this is awesome. This is so cool. Now it's going to the Gentiles and this got this big church in Antioch. And that's all. But that's not where they're coming from. They're still stuck in the past. They're still having a hard time getting what all this new thing God is doing. And so they kind of freak out and they're like, oh, no, they're going to ruin it. Like they don't know how to do church right. They're going to mess the whole thing up. 
You know, they they don't know how to do the Jewish Christian stuff that we do. They're going to mess it up. And so they decide to send a guy named Barnabas, one of their leaders, to go not only just check it out, but make sure they get it right. They learn how to do church the right way to do church. And so they send Barnabas. Well, Barnabas was probably the one, one wrong guy to send if they wanted to tamp it down because he really wasn't that kind of guy. When Barnabas comes, it says when he, Barnabas, arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing in the church, like this new thing God was doing, he was filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. He said, guys, this is really different. Like, this doesn't feel like church, but it's awesome. This new thing God's doing, this is way cool. And he could see it right away. All the legalism and the traditionalism that was going on in the Jewish Christian stuff in Jerusalem, that they were hanging on to this stuff that was kind of holding them back. It, these Gentiles didn't even know about all that stuff that was holding them back. Like they were just, it was a whole new thing that God was doing. And instead of being threatened by it, he was open to it. it it's kind of like uh, sometimes people who come to Chase Oaks, uh, because Chase Oaks isn't really, a, we have our own traditions, but it's not really a traditional church. We're a church designed really not just for us, but to reach our friends who don't know Christ. And so it, we try to do church that way. And so sometimes it's always fun when people come and talk to me after a church service. Uh, now it's after parties uh, and you're welcome to join me on that. But when new people, you know, come, because if, especially if they come from a church background that's pretty stuffy or something like that, or maybe they grew up in that and been away from that for a while. Uh, they'll come and say, hey, this was really different. Like, especially if we do, maybe we do a Pink Floyd song to get in the message or the killers or I don't know, something. And, and they're like, is that like, is that OK? Like, can you do that? Like, yeah, I think it's OK. And then sometimes they'll say, uh, so I really like this, but does this count? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, does this count as church? Like, if I call my mom and tell her I went to church, like this is what it like that counts, right? Like, I think so. I think that counts. Right, just because it's different. It's not the way. And for the believers in Jerusalem, if they had come, they would have been like, you can't do church that way. This is all the wrong music. You can't preach that way. You can't do that. But they're doing a Gentile church to reach Gentile people. And Barnabas, fortunately, was able to be open to it. And if you and I are going to move into the new that God wants, that's one of the qualities we have to have is openness to the new. Like even right now, a lot of us, just we just want to go back to the way it was. We want to cling to the past. But there's new things that God wants to do. And so our posture has got to be, okay, God, help me be open to the new thing you want to do in my marriage, the new thing you want to do in my home, the new thing you want to do in my church, the new thing you want to do in my life. What is it, God? What are you up to? Well, he was able to do that. He goes against Paul, who's a new believer at this point. Paul, who writes much of the New Testament, becomes a key leader in the church. They there for a couple of years. They teach and build this church. And it's so cool. Uh, among the here, Here's a picture snapshot of the leadership team that develops at the church in Antioch. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man. Um, Lucius, probably from Africa, Lucius from Cyrene, Manan, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul or Paul. This is the first multiracial, multicultural church. It's not just a one race Jewish Christian church. This is, it has that, but it has everything. It's a multicultural church. It's the kind of church that Jesus dreamed of. And one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. This is the first missionary journey. This is 14 years in the life of the church. From when the church starts 
after Jesus ascends to heaven, 14 years have gone by and the church in Jerusalem is so stuck in the past. They have not really gone because of the crisis. They go this far. But now there's a Gentile, multicultural, outwardly focused church. And for the first time, God's like, now that's worth exporting. That's a model that we can replicate. It's a church of Gentiles to reach the world, to reach Gentiles. And the Holy Spirit says, "Okay, now it's time to expand from here. You repeat this. And it takes a while. And so Paul and Barnabas goes off and they start all these churches and they do three missionary journeys out of Antioch, not out of Jerusalem, because the Jerusalem church is still kind of holding on to the past, still kind of struggling. They eventually get there. But that tendency that they struggle with. It's easy to throw rocks at them because, you, you know, you, you can look back and say, oh, they're a bunch of dummies. I mean, come on, they were the disciples. Come on, John and Peter. And what, what's your problem? Why, why the hang? It's easy to see that in other people, but we all have the same tendency. And so here's kind of the lesson from that is that comfort or success, prosperity and safety are all powerful forces to lock us into the status quo, into our comfort zone and miss the new things God wants to do. And that mode we have no urgency, no impetus, no oomph, and no inertia to get rolling, right? Because life is good. Like, and even though we know maybe it could be better, still life is good. So we don't have much oomph if, if things are comfortable, if things are successful, if things are going pretty well. Like before the pandemic for many of us. That's why crisis is not such a bad thing. Because when we are in stay mode, when God is really compelling us to be in go mode because we're in our comfort zone... That's why crisis breeds innovation, because it forces us out of our comfort zone to enter into the uncomfortable mode that leads to the something new that God has for us. And the question you and I always have to ask ourselves, especially right now in this crisis, is are we going to dig in and try to stay? Or are we going to see this difficulty as an opportunity to go, to adjust, innovate and look for the new thing God is doing? Because if we're willing to lean in and not just say, I'm just going to wait this out until we can go back to normal. If we do that, that's wasting a pandemic. That's wasting a crisis. That's not what God is up to. What God wants to do is for us to let go of our comfort zone, let go of whatever we had before and say, God, I want my life to be better about that. I, 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 it's not comfortable, but I'm willing to step into the discomfort to get to the other side, that better that you have for me on the other side. So let's think about that a little bit in different areas of life. Think about that in your relational world, friendships. I don't know what your friendships were like before this pandemic, but I know, at least for me, the pandemic has, has shown me how shallow or not they are, my relational world. And I tend to run fast. I tend to be very task-oriented, more than relational-oriented. I'll, I'll relate to you if we're doing a task together or a hobby together. But just to relate, I don't really do that. Fortunately, I have a couple of friends who are wired that way that pull me out of my thing. But, but man, it's just so easy, at least for me and maybe for you too, to run fast and run shallow. And then all of a sudden, something like this happens. And you realize, oops. And I don't have the depth of friends or depth of a relationship I really probably need to have. Those of you who are single, I'm sure, you know, if you, if you haven't been connected and really feeling that, right? And, and it's why it's been really cool to see a couple hundred, few, I don't know, a few hundred people, you know, get into these online groups in this pandemic. It's going to be life-changing if you lean into that. Or let's say you're married. Most of us in our marriage, you know, we kind of go through marriage with some unresolved stuff. Unresolved hurt, unresolved anger, 
maybe some skills that would be really good to be better at, like communication. Christy, you know, lets me know that every once in a while. Of, you know, you, you communicate for a living. It seems like you could do better at home. I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, cause, and so this is an opportunity. We're leaning into it. We're, uh, you know, there's a small group thing that we're getting into to help us improve, really me, but help us pro- improve our communication. Why? Because it's an opportunity if we're willing to lean into it and come out with a better marriage. I mean, think about it. With that unresolved stuff, what are you going to do when you're spending this much time together? Well, you can get divorced. It's probably not the thing to do. You can just try to gut it out and not deal with it and be miserable. Or you can lean into it, do the hard work of working through whatever you have to work through to get to the other side and come out of this pandemic with a way better marriage than you ever would have had had it not been for this crisis. Or home life. I don't know if you remember, three months ago, I bet many of you who have little kids said something like this to a friend. I mean, you know what, man, I just wish we had more time as a family. I wish I had more time with my kids. It's just so busy. It's so hard to balance all that. Out. Or we're all going so many different directions with all of our activities. It just, I just wish we had more family time. You remember that? Be careful what you wish for, right? Because now you're like, oh, man, I need an activity, right? I just somewhere to send my kids a camp for a year or something, anything, right? But it's an opportunity now to say when we do go back to something that's not stay at home, then do we just want to go back to the way it was? Or is there a new way of doing family or a career? Maybe you were in a career situation that was perfect. that was awesome. And you're like, man, it fits and all that. Awesome. But maybe you weren't. And maybe now just when jobs feel a little insecure, you're like, man, am I even in the right thing? Or maybe you've lost a job and you have an opportunity to kind of reinvent your career. To at least lean into that and say, God, what what is it? You you know, what what is my calling? It's a great question to ask right now. Um, I mean, any area of life on our church, certainly that way. I mean, we had this initiative to reach people where they were, that we're just starting a, a digital mission initiative, realizing that where everybody on the planet is right now is right here on their phones. Right. You just see them all the time looking like this and on the wherever they are. So we said, okay, let's do a digital mission. Let's do online church better. Let's do some things so so that we show up here. We can reach people right here. And I'm so glad we were already in motion on that. Because all of a sudden, this is all we are. I mean, we're now an online church for a while. And that's going to make us better. We're going to reach, and we already are. We're reaching thousands more people than we would have had this pandemic. But, you know, we could just wait and until things go back to normal and try to you know meet too early or whatever because we're afraid of the new and say no god you're doing something new so we want to we want to lean into that god we want to know how we can do what you put on our heart to do better i mean it's just always the the choice that we have and the same thing is true just of us personally in terms of our life with god in terms of our level of impact and difference making maybe for a lot of us it's time for a personal makeover And I'm not talking about how we look, although, you know, maybe uh, that would be good, too. I don't know. Um, Like, you know, last week I've mentioned I was able to get a haircut, which was cool. It was getting pretty interesting enough that I started to think about, man, maybe I should do something different with my hair because I've done the same thing since I was 18 years old. Maybe it's time for something different. And so I got on this app where you take a you can take a selfie and then you can see what different hairstyles would look like. So here's the results. Um, This is called the Hepburn. Uh, the Audrey Hepburn. But then I realized our board would probably fire me if I did that one. Um, another contender. This wasn't, wasn't really a contender, but this one is a contender. And it's the uh, it's I call it the European Jesus. 
with no beard. Now, Jesus wasn't European. He's Middle Eastern, so he wouldn't have had highlighted hair. But still pretty cool, right? European Jesus with no beard. So you can let me know what you think. But I think that one's pretty cool. Or here's the Bieber, um, which is also, you know, was interesting. And but I've always wanted to be cool enough to do the domino. And uh, and that's the dreadlocks. Domino is one of our guitar players. Uh, he's in the band at Legacy and he's just such a cool guy. He's in our life. My life. We're in life group together, too. Just this awesome, wonderful guy. But I'm not cool enough to do the domino. And so I just went back to the Jeff. Uh, right. I, it's going to take a bigger crisis to knock me out of my hair comfort zone, I guess. Who knows? Maybe we'll do something else. But I'm really not talking, of course, about that kind of makeover. I'm talking about remaking our life. Just our approach to life, our lifestyle in terms of our relationship with God, in terms of our level of impact and our focus on mission in this world, because it's really easy, especially when we're comfortable in life's going. We're busy and we're just doing life and life's going pretty well to get pretty comfortable with the gap between who we are and who we want to be in terms of our in terms of our relationship with God, in terms of our level of impact in this world. And so we'll say, man, I, you know, I, I know I could be more generous. I really do need to serve. You know, I need to do that kind of stuff more. That'd be really cool. But, you know, life's busy. Everybody's doing the best we can. So you just kind of get comfortable with life is busy. Do the best you can. You just kind of live with this gap of aspiration to reality. And you're kind of okay with it. Until this happens. And this is disruptive enough that it at least it makes me ask. And I think it's an opportunity for all of us to say, hey, wait a minute. What if I address the gap? Like this is actually an opportunity to become more the kind of person I really want to become, to to be a more mission focused person, for example, to make more of a difference in the world. Like I could do that and you can. In fact, we're calling our whole church to this and this will hopefully be bigger than the church as we invite our friends and stuff. But I want to tell you about something I'm really excited about, because man, why not use this crisis as an opportunity to become a different kind of person? Or even if we are this kind of person, to become this kind of person even more. And what I'm talking about is here for good, to be a here for good person, the kind of person that Jesus calls us to be. And even if you're not, even if you're not a Jesus follower, I mean, that's the way he calls us to be. Not here for me life, but here for good life, here for others life. But even if you're not a Jesus follower yet and you've got questions about the whole Jesus thing, then I get that. But I think we all want to be here for good people. Right? We all want to make a difference in the world. And so let's, let's move that direction. Let's leave since we're not comfortable anymore. Let's step into it and say, hey, let's come out of this with a different kind of person. And so we're going to encourage everybody to make a here for good commitment. And I'll tell you how to do that in a minute. But here's what that here for good commitment looks like. And if enough of us do it, it will become a here for good movement that will change our community. And basically what you'll be committing to is three things. Give, serve and include. Give, serve and include. So by give means, I mean, it, it's, of course, you say, well, it's give money. And it is. It's being generous. But it's not just money. It's generosity of life. It's our financial resources. It's giving words of encouragement. It's, uh, it's giving blood, uh, which we'll have opportunity to do. Giving food. Uh, giving, just giving of ourselves away for others to live and to think of others before we think of ourselves. Because in a crisis like a pandemic or something, it's easy to live this way, to grasp what we have. 
not to live open-handed because we think, I may need it. I mean, what's going to happen? I don't know. And so we just live tinier and we live a self-focused life. It's just natural. I feel that as a pastor of a church. It's like, well, what about giving? And we need it. We can't share with other people. Like, we need it. Like, you know, we live on donation. Like, what are we getting? We can't give this away. We can't do this for these people. It's, there's this temptation to do that. But what Jesus' the way of life he calls us to is, no, you, you live open-handed. You give you, you live a generous life and let me provide. You don't trust the provision. You trust the provider. So you live the mission. Let me provide for you and therefore live an open handed life, a share life, a generous life. And that's the life God calls us to. So let's do it. And you'll see on the website, if you go to the website, go to our website, if you want to join the Here for Good movement or make the Here for Good commitment. And it'll tell you more details about give. But to kick it off. We are asking everybody who signs up for this to give $20 a person because most of us can give $20. If you can't, then that's fine. But most of us can give $20. If you go to Whataburger, two people, that's $20 because I occasionally do that on Sundays. Um, and, you know, same thing with Chick-fil-A, I guess, too. But, but you do, you know, you give $20 and you think, well, $20, what's that going to do? Well, by itself, not a whole lot. But that's the power of critical mass with a church the size of Chase Oak. So, Let's say, I don't know, maybe we're 15,000 people right now. You'd say there's 15,000 chase soakers. Um, well, okay, with 15,000 people, if all of us do this, that's $300,000 that can do a lot. And some of us can give a lot more than $20. Some of us can give $200 or $2,000, whatever God put on your heart to do, uh, do. And you'll see the opportunity when you sign up of how to give. And there's a thing of give. There's different funds. It's our local good fund. But when you go in on the site, it'll help you understand how to do that. That's the give part. And that, that's, it, I don't mean just give one time. That's just getting the ball rolling. It's living, it's going through this pandemic saying, I want to be an open-handed person, not just with my money, but with everything I have. I want to be a here for good person. I want to live a generous life. And then in this pandemic, we're going to commit to serve in a way beyond what we're doing. Just say, I, I want to, I want to serve. I want to be here for other people. I want to be here for other people in my neighborhood. There's opportunities in our church, especially as things continue to open up. Hopefully uh, there'll be more and more opportunities to be hands on. And that'll be on that side of, hey, here's what we're doing right now. And man, come join us and do this. And just let's lean into this and serve our community in a way we never have served our community. We're already doing that, but there'll be more hands on ways to do it now that we're getting out of our homes. So watch that on the website and then include. We are such a divided culture. And I was hoping that maybe this pandemic would fix that or, or help unite our culture, but it doesn't seem to be. In fact, it feels like it's hardening the divisions between the haves and the have nots. For one thing, the disparities, it's it's also hardening divisions of just perspective. I mean, you know, people who think we should open up this way or open up this way or now or later or this or that. And everybody's got really strong opinions and there's just a lot of polarization, political polarization, just all this polarization. Right. But one thing can't we all agree on is common good, like common ground we could all have is just common good, meaning don't we want the world to be better? Don't we want our community to be better? Whatever your opinions are about this and that and that, whatever, but, but can't we all just say, hey, we just want to care for people. We just want to make things better. And so with that spirit of inclusiveness to not only commit to do this, but also to commit to share it with other people, invite other people to participate outside our tribe, whatever our tribe is, just uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be in our church or anything. Just say, man, you know, just uh, here, here's something I, I'm doing that's here for good commitment. And it's really cool. And share it on social media or when people ask about it. Say, man, you can you can sign up. 
It's a really cool thing to do in this pandemic. Um, another way to do it is just wear, you can wear the swag. Uh, everybody who does this is uh, eligible. You'll get, you'll get a free T-shirt when you sign up. Like, well, then that's worth it, some of you. But, uh, but if you get a T-shirt, um, and, and there'll be other swag too on our site that you can buy. All the proceeds will go to our, to our partnerships uh, that we're doing, our serving opportunities. But the reason we're, we're going to do this swag, it'll be our online store at chaseoaks.org, is because we want it to be a conversation starter. People, wait, what is here for good? What is that? And uh, why are you wearing that thing? We're going to have here for good masks, <laughs> which will be fun. That'll be good. I mean, masks aren't very fun, but at least, hey, if we're going to have it, let's do it here for good one. And where people say, where'd you get that? What is that all about? And we can share it. Well, it's just commitment I made in this pandemic. And it's tempting to be a here for me person because it's scary, but I don't want to be. I want to be here for good person. And there's a bunch of people. It's this whole movement of people, thousand people who are doing this. And maybe really cool for you to sign up. Um, next week, for those who do want to be, participate, there's going to be an event, and it's going to be a really cool event. Um, and it's uh, it's on Sunday of Memorial Day, and it's here for Good Sunday. And and make sure you show up. It'll be in the afternoon. Information on our website, the details about that at every campus. Uh, what you'll do is whatever campus you want to go to. And some of you are like, where are you talking about campus? If you just watched online, just look on our website. You'll see the different campuses, and you choose which one you want to go to. And it'll be a drive through event. There'll be a couple of opportunities to get out of the car real quick, like a picture wall, a here for good picture wall to take a family picture, bring your family pets because there's going to be a, a dog. Tre- there's going to be dog, dog treats given out. There'll be food uh, given out. Uh, you'll have an opportunity to give food, to donate food. That information will be on the website. You'll uh, get a T-shirt. You'll get a kid's packet, like a like here for good pack for kids, uh, for them to do some fun stuff and some meaningful stuff and more. And there'll be live music playing out there, and it'll be a really fun event and a, kind of a social distancing way to gather. And so make sure you make sure you show up at your at whatever campus you want to go to on Sunday. But here's the thing: if we all do this, um, go on, and, and it really mean well. What does that mean? Well, you go on the website and just sign up. There'll be a thing to sign up for here for good. And I say, yeah, I want to be here for a good person. And they'll give you information about give and how to give that. That's what that looks like. It'll give you information about how to serve. And that'll be that'll just grow over time and what include means as well. Um, If we all do this. I know that we're going to come out of this differently as individuals. We're going to be way more of a here for good person than we would have ever thought. And we want to be that kind of person. but We actually get to become that kind of person. And also know that if enough of us do this, let's say 10,000 chase soakers do this. Or, hey, let's say 15,000 do this. And then we include and we invite and that becomes 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 people in our community. I know some of you are not in our community or outside that. That's cool, too. That just spreads out even more wherever you are around the world. But let's say we all, I mean, the power of critical mass right here, especially in our area, 40,000 people doing that. Let's say that happens. That's what I mean by that's that's a game changer. That starts changing the whole character of a community. And I believe God can do that. I believe it's part of the new that he's wanting us to lean into. So we're going to pray, and, and I'm just going to encourage all of us to, as we pray, to say, God, help me be open to the new. Because in a crisis, for many of us, our natural tendency is just going to go back to what's comfortable as quick as we can. God just wants to go back to normal, and we hold on to the past. That, again, that's a waste of a crisis. That's a waste of an opportunity. That, that's striking out. To, to hit that curveball is saying, you know what? Some of that's going to be great, but I know, God, you're doing something new. And you want me to be 
better. Uh, you know, and, and that they hear for a good thing. But I'll, it may be, as you think about it, for you, God may also have on your mind your friendship circle, just your depth of friendship. I, that, I, I, need, I need to make that better. Or maybe it's your marriage or your dating life or your, uh, your family, your career, whatever it is. Just say, God, I, I'll, help me lean into the new. And, and God will help us. He's in that discomfort. That's what transformation is. There's no, there's no way transformation is, un, is ever comfortable because we're leaving what's comfortable going through discomfort to get to the other side of that until it becomes our new normal. So let's lean into it. So let's bow our heads together. Prayer is just talking to God like we talked about last week. He's our Father who loves us. And uh, so let's, let's join him in prayer. Um, and I'm going to encourage you just to, again, since prayer is talking to God right where you are, and wherever you are, in your living room or some other room, just say, just ask God to help you with this and just say, God, thank you for how you use crises in our lives. And this is difficult and I'd love for you to end it. But God, I, I don't want to go through this in a way where I just try to cling to what my old normal was. God, help me be open to the new thing you want to do in my life. And I encourage you to name whatever that is. Maybe you want to be a here-for-good person. I hope all of us are there. Say, God, I want to be more of a here-for-good person. God, help me take that step and really live into that. And then whatever else God puts on your mind, it may be your marriage, it may be your, you may be own a business, it's your business, and think, I better come up with a new normal. God, help me do that. Um, maybe it's your career, maybe it's your friendships, maybe it's your home life. Maybe something with our church God puts on your mind. God, just... Help us move to the normal. Help us lean in. Help us step into the new with you. Father, I thank you that that's a prayer you'll answer. Because that's your will. And I thank you for your patience with us in the process. You were so patient with these early Christians, 14 years until they started to get it. And I I thank you how patient you are with us. Father, I pray it won't take us 14 years. God, help, help us get it now. Help us lean in now. Help us to be like a Barnabas, open and looking for the new thing you're doing and, and just step into that. And, uh, and Father, I, I pray for people right now in this time of crisis. I know it's difficult. And, and I'm, I don't want to make light of the difficulty. But God, just help us not miss the opportunity part of it too. In Jesus' name, amen.